you know, life is not going to come to a standstill if I don't agree with you. Or, like real you know, love. Like, look, I got to know the person. <laughs> it's an open-ended gay marriage, gay rights, this. homosexuality. They don't call you pickles anymore? Um, no. I guess I have to. Someone asked, what, what is it like to lose your dad, someone who's younger than me, to still have their parents? I said, well, it's kind of like the railing on the porch. And I never use the railing. Never. There's okay? good knowledge. But now the railing's gone, knowledge. and every time and I go up the porch. Oh, offend away. <laughs> I, I guess I cannot. I got death threats. I got universal health care, taxes, Confederate monuments. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> political correctness, Obama. Melania Bannon Miller. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Sounds good. This was fun. Welcome to Like You, where I talk to real people about their lives, what they believe, and why they believe it. My name is John Zelson. Subscribe on any podcast service or listen from the website at likeyoupodcast.org. You can contact me from the website likeyoupodcast.org. I would love to hear from you. These conversations are not about agreeing or convincing. It's about trying to understand another person. It takes a little time to get to know someone, to cross that mysterious threshold where you're hearing someone beyond the simple categories we all come with. My hope is that you'll turn this on, clean your refrigerator, take a walk, and let this person in. This is episode one. I'm talking with Lonnie. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Excellent. Okay, technology check. First, the basics. Uh, Where were you born? In Cortland County. Cortland County. Uh, Do you mind sharing your age or age range? I am between 50 and 55. Uh, Siblings? I have seven. How many boys and how many I'm girls? Five boys, three girls, and I'm the youngest. Uh, do you um, did that birth order? Do you think it affected who you are? Absolutely. In what way? I learned from their mistakes. <laughs> so you, my my, I would say my parents were. I mean, I was spoiled by the town, so. My my parents were much more lax the farther down the line mm-hmm. they got. So by the time I came around, they were well-trained. They were exhausted, so you could... Yeah. Uh, were you brought up with any uh, in any particular religious um, and denomination? Not really. I mean, we we went to the Baptist church. I am baptized Baptist, um, but my father's philosophy was you don't have to go to church to preach to God mm-hmm. because we are in God's world as, as we live. We was, are in his house. Was religion important in your family growing up? Not really. I mean, we, we believed in God and, you know, but as, you know, we went to Sunday school, all the kids, but once we reached teenage years, we had our choice. Mm. Um, it, when you think about your childhood, uh, there's often 
a story that families will tell about each kid uh, that that everyone kind of recognize recognizes that's the story about that kid um, do you have a story like that like a very early story of something that that your family would recognize as you or that your family laughs about when you get together wow <laughs> uh, you're making me think now um probably the I could demolish a bottle of pickles in no time. <laughs> what and, and hence, and hence, one of one of my father's best friends nicknamed me Pickles. Oh my God! Yeah. Uh, Long lost name. Yeah, that's not you. They don't. They don't call you Pickles anymore. No. <laughs> uh, was your family poor, middle class, upper middle class? I don't interview rich people. Um, lower middle. Lower middle. What did your uh, father do for a living? My father, when he was working, was a construction worker. Mm-hmm. My mother, when she went to work, she was a factory worker. Are they? And my uncle was self-employed. Self-employed. What did he do? Self. He was a sawdust hauler for local farmers. A what? A what? He was a sawdust hauler for local farmers. A sawdust hauler? Yes. Farmers use it as bedding for their cows and all their other animals. Mm-hmm. Did you get along with your parents? Yes. Uh, are you... Uh, are you, were your parents, did they fall into the Republican-Democrat camp? They were not political by any means. They just did their thing. And Did you guys talk about that kind of stuff at home in the early days? No. Not really recommend, yeah. All right. Um, do you have any really early memories of your childhood, like, what is your earliest coherent memory of childhood? <laughs> I know you didn't expect uh, those questions. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, probably I was, oh God, I don't know, five or six. And I drowned as a bumblebee in my belly button while swimming. You drowned? It was very... I drowned it. Uh, um, I had a one-piece bathing suit on. Uh-huh. And the bee obviously flew into my bathing suit, and I drowned it, because um, it, was a, it was a bumblebee. Did it... And it was dead when I came out, but it didn't sting me. It didn't sting you? But it, but, um, not that I recall. But it, it was quite traumatic for a little girl. What was traumatic about it? Well, as as a child, you you grow up being afraid of bee stings and going barefoot due to bee stings. Uh-huh. And I think the the fear of the unknown. You know what what can they actually do to you? What is going to be the repercussions of getting stung? Mm-hmm. 
this, this. I'm sorry, say that again. Do you think about your childhood much now? Um, not really. I'm I'm not the type of person to drown in the past. Mm. Do you still do you have friends that you still hang out with that you knew from when you were growing up? Yes. Uh, can can you think of one in particular? You don't have to say the name, or though you could. Oh yeah, I I won't use his name, but yeah. Uh, to him, uh, what do you suppose keeps you connected after these years? Um, I would say more than a deep friendship. Um, what would and openness, honesty. So you've there have been things that you guys have talked about that are, when you talk, it's it's very honest about what you're going through yep. in life, and mm-hmm. it's it's like you would with a best friend. Mm. All right. Um, how many times? Your guys. Your your a lot of your friends are men. I would say ninety eighty five percent. How come? Uh, because I don't like the catty pettiness of the females. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh how many times have you been married? Is it once? Correct. Um, where did you meet your husband? In a bar. <laughs> Was it lo- yeah. lo- love at first drink? Oh, not even close. <laughs> uh, couldn't stand him, actually. <laughs> Did he pursue you, then? Um, I... Probably a little both. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we were related to... A family, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we just ran into each other. Probably me more than him. Me more than him, like you pursued him more than he pursued you? Is that what you're saying? Yes. I I would say probably yes. Did you, was it, there was something you liked about him back in the day, young and... Yes. Do you remember what it was? Stubbornness. <laughs> Your stubbornness or his stubbornness? His. You liked his stubbornness. Yeah. Oh wait. Just a general stubbornness or a stubbornness? Um, Germans like a challenge. Uh huh. And that's probably what it started out as being. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times have you been in love, romantic love? Like soulmate? I don't know. I'm going to leave it much wider open than that. Like, yeah, not. I'm going to say once. Huh? Just once. Just once. Mm-hmm. You're in Cortland County, so 
you were um that's a rural area in 50 years ago or so it was even more rural right were you, was it a farm you well marathon marathon was smaller than it is now but not much uh, and we had a we had a self-sufficient farm uh, so, right right self-sufficient. do you guys still have any of those acres in the family uh no no well actually my, my brother does own a part of that property but the state took the rest of it you mean when your parents died nope my mom's still alive the, the state needed to widen the road so they took her property oh my god yeah so eminent domain yeah did that piss you guys off um didn't have a say in it but it you know, they they paid her fair market value, and yeah, yeah. I guess it was just meant to be. Right. The yeah. Um. I kind of want to ask the, one last question. I know I, we gotta. I want to move on. There's a bunch of things, um, and I appreciate you, um, you know, tolerating all these questions. I'm not quite sure what you expected, so this might be a little different. Um. About, can you say something about? You've been in love once um not without it's not necessary in this case to say like the details about you know the, the people or something like that but i was curious um uh, what were the a- attributes of that love or what, what what made that that love special like what was uh, what was that oh man uh the proverbial Butterflies in the stomach. That's. Mm. I mean, it's. Yeah, I would. I would say that's it in a nutshell. Uh, was the, was the object? Was the the person? Was that person a good person? Extremely. Like, extreme. And by good. Was. Sorry. Was always there to. Help anybody. Give his shirt off his back. Mm-hmm. That so that's a um, that would that's important to you. The, very much so. The, that generosity. Yeah. But, yeah. Very, very selfless. Huh. Uh, yeah. Money means nothing. Thanks for that. Kindness and time. Yeah. You're so, how many kids do you have? I have two girls. Two girls, and they're college age? Yeah. Um, one is working on her master's. They they both have dual master, uh, dual bachelors, and one is working on her master's, and the other one is going back to school for nursing. Oh, my God. I, th- now, did you go to college? I did. You did? What college? Associate. What's that? I have an associate's, I have an associate's degree from TC3. Mm-hmm. And how How did you... Um, what, what did you do? <laughs> what did you do to get the kids to get so much education like did you did you emphasize that when they were growing up absolutely i mean like right from 
three years old at preschool because that you're you're training them at, for expectations and what you expect and what you will tolerate and what you won't. But they're also very intelligent and they love to read and they get that from their father. Mm -hmm. And is that someone telling? Is that someone like correcting you in the background? Oh, she's saying that was my youngest. She said that she was. She started reading college level at sixth grade, which they both. How did they? I read to them every night. Uh huh. Every, every time it was nap time, I would read to them, and when it was bedtime, they had their they had their favorite story. But we always read, and when we went on vacation, we would always take two weeks, and we would drive and just visit red roads, and you know, if we saw something that we were interested in, we'd pull over and we'd go and check it out. And in the interim, while we're driving and not doing anything, we would read a book. So when they were growing up, your vacations were just getting in the car and staying off the highways? You would you would do that? Basically. Basically. You're... I mean, a lot of times we, we knew where we were going to end up, but we were never in a hurry to get there. Yeah. You know, like we drive the red roads and it's like, Hey, check this fossil place out, or uh, let's drive through the Badlands and and just check out all kinds of things. Oh my gosh! And we we camp, you know, we we camp a lot in like um, Shenandoah Mountains, where we when we'd camp we'd make supper and it'd be nothing for a deer or a rabbit to walk right in front of you. So they got a lot of different experiences. Where did you get that? Like we this is a sort of you're from a rural area, right? And like I I know that school district they don't um uh, it's it's not a there's not a strong community value that says go to college, go to college, go to college, right? But you you had that value. Really. I did, yes. Where did that come from? I think a, a desire to improve my life status. Thank you. Did your parents talk about that when you were young? No, never. Was it being the youngest and you're kind of looking out at your brothers and sisters and thinking about thinking about it? Um, maybe. I, I, knew, I knew what direction I didn't want to go in. <laughs> you got negative examples well, from your siblings, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Y- you've, have you traveled internationally? Yes. Where have you gone? Costa Rica, Brazil, Bahamas, Canada, Jamaica, Bermuda, <laughs> Barbados. I feel like there's a song there. Uh, why? Um, that's another thing that doesn't seem like. How did you get it in your head to take these big trips? Brazil. Well, we had an exchange student, and that's where he was from. So we went to Brazil and visited with 
him and his family for two weeks. Your your family hosted an exchange student from Brazil. My my husband and myself. Right. Yeah. When my kids were little. And what prompted you to do that? Oh God, it was a spur of the moment thing. <laughs> there was uh there was two kids that needed uh, an exchange home. Mm-hmm. And and I chose him. There really wasn't a whole lot of discussion. It was, you know, the, the the kid needed a place to stay, and we had room. So how, we did it. Uh huh. And how did, how long was he at your house? A year. Oh my God! You like suddenly decided I'm going to take this kid for one year, um, and you developed a relationship with him then. Very much, yeah. And uh, is he? Have you? How long ago was that? Oh, let's see. How long ago did we have Eduardo? Nineteen ninety-seven and ninety-eight. Mm-hmm. And did you have you stayed in touch with him this whole time, or not? Not the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was a span of a few years where we lost contact. Mm-hmm. And then, thanks, you know, thanks to social media and my youngest, mm-hmm. we got reconnected, and they they also travel frequently. So, and and him and his wife both are professors. Oh my God! So um, your your exchange student went on to become a professor. Yes. Yep. Him and and. Uh, his wife, they're, they are both professors at the University of Brasilia in uh-huh. Brazil. And part of their schooling is they can go to other countries and learn for, like, a semester. Mm-hmm. So, like, last year they were in Canada. Two years ago they were in Canada. So, as a short family vacation, we went up there to see him. So oh there's, it, you know, it's it's not just us. They it's them as well. They try very hard to keep that contact, and and it's, his family is wonderful. It's amazing that you you end up going to Brazil. That there's been this um, ongoing contact. When do you remember twenty years ago or so when? This kid came to live at your house. Um, you met him. Do you remember when the relationship was building and like what you were thinking at that time? Can you remember that? Um. Oh God, that that he was a great kid. You know, I, I, the the two that we had to pick from was a tall, skinny, long-haired ponytail kid. And a clean cut mama's boy kid. Mm-hmm. We picked the long haired ponytail. <laughs> I was wondering. I thought that could go either way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and we definitely made the really good choice because the the other kid ended up getting sent home early, early, oh, no. like very early. And um, 
so the, I mean, we had an instant connection, and it was fun because his mom and I, uh, other than height, his mom and I looked very similar. Uh-huh. So he he automatically had a connection with me because of that. And it was very hard for him to be that far away because, you know, he he was there, is to this day, still very, very close with his family. Uh-huh. So you actually, did you notice any cultural differences that, that, um... Oh, massively. Yeah? Can you think of any examples? Oh, um, the one, one example is he came home from school one day and he says, you know, Mom, it's really sad that I'm a foreigner and I know more about your history than anybody in the class. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad because our education is all about passing a test, not learning history, not learning how to survive, not learning how to cope with reality. Mm-hmm. It has turned it has turned into it's always somebody else's fault. That's how you, you um do you think that's in the school district where you guys were at, or do you think that's like a general trend in education? Oh, general. General trend. It's mm-hmm. it's everywhere. Do you think uh uh did do you like the charter? Does that affect your life? That whole charter school versus public school discussion. Are you plugged into that? I, I, I try not to plug into that, only because being working in the educational field that that I have, um, and working with low-income people like I also have, the. the Charter schools, the kids are treated and they're raised to with the attitude that they're better than everybody else. Hmm. And in today's society, where you know we've we've got the neo Nazis coming back, we've we've got the Jew haters coming back. You know, it's, the hatred is is much deeper now, in my opinion, is much. Race, racism. Blah, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think, and, and I don't know what causes it, what has caused it. I don't know, but I think people are more racist now than they were. I swear to God, back in the sixties. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like in the sixties, if you got Martin Luther King, it was it was all around all about blacks. Now it is. Everything. It doesn't matter. You could be black. You could be white. You could be purple. Somebody is going to be prejudiced. <laughs> you think that the world is actually becoming more prejudiced, not less, these Correct. days. It's hard for me to sort out because um, the news is different. You know. I'm sorry about the, that. You you hear only what they want you to hear. Where do you um where do you collect your news from? Where's your trusted sources? My trusted source. Um, it's really hard. I I would definitely have to say my husband. <laughs> your husband is great. your source of news. 
Well, he's he's extremely intelligent, and he has such a way of being able to read between the lines. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I mean his his knowledge about things, not just history, but on many many levels, is astronomical. He's like a walking encyclopedia, and he doesn't forget anything. That must have been part of the appeal back in the day. I'm just saying. Yeah, it was. Let me. I mean, I'm a college-educated idiot, and you know, (laughs) he graduated from the Navy, and you know, got his GED in the Navy. But I mean, shit, you sit him and I down on a on a test, he'd blow by me in a heartbeat. You are one generous wife, by the way. That's uh, you're not you're not fitting that mold. <laughs> I want to make a oh, joke. I'm, but... I'm just being honest. Yeah. Um. You I'm, s- and most most people that know me will would absolutely tell you that I'm not a typical wife or a female. Yeah. And in what ways are you not a typical wife or a female? I don't cook. You don't cook. I don't. Do, I don't do any other cooking. Uh-huh. I would just as soon be happy, you know, outside splitting wood and carrying carrying out the garbage and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And most of my friends are guys. Mm-hmm. I, I I I can relate better to guys than I can to females, only because that's the way I grew up. Well, you had um, brothers and sisters. Uh, but the wait, wait. But before I forget, there's one thing I wanted to ask you about. You said that you've worked in the education field and you've worked with low-income folks. Uh, what? Yeah. What were those jobs? That, uh, yeah. What were those jobs? I worked for the Department of Social Services for ten years um, in the employment unit, and what my job was there was to interview and assess their mental, physical capabilities of becoming employed, becoming non-dependent on the system. And you learn a lot about people's tasks, like a lot more than you really would like to know. Yeah. Um, and then... I mean, you, you do, you, you deal with all races, ages, economic, low income. I mean, you got some people that are just barely breathing compared to some that, you know, are ripping out the system. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I went to work for the school system as a teacher's assistant. Well, no, when I, when I first went to work for the school system. I was a jack-of-all-trades for the BOCES system. Mm-hmm. And then after I had, let's say that. No, I know that. Um, <laughs> I love how your daughter is piping in. I can hear her in the background. Yeah. Good at that. Very, very good at that. Um. And then I worked for the school systems, whether it be, they're all in Coyle County, so it doesn't matter, but with the special ed, special needs 
Uh, Carla was laughing because she was doing the same thing. She said very good. Mm. However, I'm um, sorry. She, uh, I did that for, oh God, 10, 12 years. I was a teacher's assistant and a bus monitor, and I tutored when uh-huh. I was on the bus. Um, a lot of life lessons. You know, I like, didn't look at me as a teacher. They looked at me as a caring community member. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, there there was a specific family that all of them were, were behavior management children. And I called that one day, called her mom one day, and told her what a good job they did on the bus. That, you know, they, they helped me to defuse the situation, and one of them helped me tutor a, a younger child. And so you, you have to just in, integrate so many cultures and, and so many ages and so many people to get them to work together. And then when I called their mom, she's like, wait a minute, you're not calling a companion. <laughs> and, and I'm like, no, I'm not. She goes, this is the first time in my kid's history. <laughs> so you think those... No, so it's... Sorry. Go ahead, sorry. No, uh, so you think those were good kids? And the, the, deep down... There's good in all kids. Mm-hmm. There's good in all kids. It's their... Uh, children learn what they live. That poem is so, so true. Uh, what poem is that? Children learn what they live. Is that, I don't, I'm not familiar with that poem. Oh, it's a very long poem. Uh-huh. But it's, it's true. If, yeah. if a child is, is brought up in a very abusive home, they think that it's normal, sure. that it's acceptable. And it's like no big deal yeah. until they learn otherwise. And then, hopefully, they will make their own decisions of which direction in life they're going to make. But that that's the social network of the teachers, the family, the community, um, the everyday people that these people run into. Mm-hmm. You know, a smile goes a long way. An ear goes a long way. When you worked with the kids is that is that work that you liked did you feel good about that work with the kids yes are you saying that with the adults uh, not so good not so good uh, the and it, not just the administration but the oh what's the word that I want to use oh it's the school has become so political in, in what way? How do, you, how do you mean political? Well, they have to make this quota. They have to make that quota. The teachers can't, they can't use their own imagination to teach these kids because mm-hmm. every kid learns differently. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, um, the teachers were able to deal with an overintelligent kid in the class by giving him extra work or extra responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And then working with the kids that really needed the help and just the different ways that a teacher can be 
creative and inventive of finding what clicks in each child. They don't have that option anymore. It's extremely difficult for teachers nowadays to actually teach these kids how to graduate. Right. That, um, I hear you. Uh, so you, you ended up leaving that job. Yes. Right? Um, and yes. Uh, did you do it because, like, one day you said, I've, I've had enough, or did they run out of funding, or...? No, um, I chose to quit after, let's say I went from the school to social services to the school back to social services, mm -hmm. and then I quit when Carly was three, when my youngest was three, I quit to stay home with her mm -hmm. until school started. Yeah, I can um, I can imagine you with uh, with the kids, and I I think it's no surprise that um, your guys ended up doing so much so well in um, in school. Did they, did they always do well in school? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, the only the only thing we requested of them was they had to do their best. They had to try their best. If their best was a D, then okay. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, it wasn't. <laughs> Do you um? Oh, sorry. Uh, when when they were growing up, uh, did do you remember any like approaches to I'm going to call it discipline that you used? Did you have any specific? <laughs> oh, there's there's lots of ways I discipline my kids. Uh -huh. Um. They, they, when, when they were little and, you know, learning their numbers or ABCs or whatever, and if they misbehaved, they'd have to get stuck in the corner. Mm -hmm. And they would have to recite the alphabet or their numbers or, you know, whatever it was that they were having issues with. Attitude. Just attitude issues. <laughs> With, with yeah. another another thing was um, standing in the corner. That that was a really good one. Standing in the corner, but not touching the walls, not moving. Every time they moved, I added another. I would tell up. Oh, you just added another five minutes, but you know it was more like a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, do I hear a comment commentary on? Ugly ass people. Uh, yes. What did she say? Okay, I said it. My oldest said it felt like an eternity. Yeah. So was did you did you guys spank when they were young? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um actually one of my kids on the strike five, she got the belt for misbehaving and doing the same thing five times after she was disciplined. When you plastered my makeup all over the place. Mom, you can't impress my artistic spirit. What's wrong with you? <laughs> what is yeah, your artistic spirit. What did she say? Uh, she said I could not repress her artistic spirit. <laughs> but I got her artistic spirit. 
Oh yeah, she got she after some of I mean and, and every discipline kept getting worse and worse. The fifth time she got the belt and that that was the last time. Mm-hmm. Have did you have you talked to your daughters about stuff like that as as they're growing up? Is that something that they've come and have you guys reflected on that? Do they have any opinions? On how they were raised, yeah, or... yeah, how they were raised, including stuff like um, discipline, like what what worked, what their recollections are. On that. Actually, um, they're just like me <laughs> in that in that aspect. They are they they're strict, tough love. Um, they still have people that call them up and to watch their children because they know that. They're responsible, reliable, and, you know, they're not just going to sit in front of the TV and play video games. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to spend time with the kids and, you know, cook and they can play and, you know, read and whatever. Both of them do the same thing. And everything is a life lesson. Yes. Um, did you, uh, and I hope you don't mind this question, do you remember at what age or if ever you talk to your daughters about relationships and sex and uh, all, you know, right now oh, there's God. news. Probably, uh, I want to say probably, I don't know, five, six years old, maybe, maybe earlier. Wow. It was, well, it was, I mean, a penis was a penis, a vagina was a vagina. <laughs> there, there was, there was no playful games or anything like that. It uh-huh. was very factual and, you know, if you've got a question, you know, come and ask me or your dad. Don't believe what your friends say because it probably ain't true. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you got a question, just come and ask us or, you know, a, another adult that, that you trust. Yep. Uh, all right. Have This is a very broad question. Have you had your opinion changed on something? Do you remember something you felt strongly about and then later in life changed your mind? Mm, no. Not really. Not not anything that, that comes to mind. Yep. Uh, do you rem- Have you been in an interaction where you feel like you've changed somebody else's mind? On occasion. Can you... Do you remember um, what it was? No. <laughs> it, it, um, let's just say my mother-in-law and I, I've been married, well, I've been with Jim for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And in the 30 years, my mother-in-law and I have never, ever had an argument. Right. Because we appreciate, you know, we appreciate the other person's opinion. Whether it's, my opinion or not, whether I agree with it or not, it's their opinion. So I agree to disagree. You know, so it's, I mean, it's not worth arguing over. It's not worth, opinions are, are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I know. Mean, seriously. <laughs> it's, you know, life is not going to come to a standstill if I don't agree with you or you know, if people don't agree right. on everything, you know, you know, it's yeah, it's um, what makes the world go around. 
I feel that, right? Um, and that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I'm doing this little project. My perception is, though, that, that it's not the way it feels nowadays. I wanted to ask you about that. Does it feel that way to you, too, that people aren't very good at disagreeing these days and be in a respectful way? I don't think that has changed. Um, I think people are more closed-minded and are too quick to make an opinion without the facts. Yes. Yes, speaking of which, I have to ask you, um, you, you said that you get a lot of your news <laughs> from your husband. From my husband, <laughs> yes. I do, I do. Um, Is, because he reads a lot. And, I mean, first of all, he's retired now, so he, mm. he's got a lot of time to get on the computer and, you know, do the, the news thing on TV and different channels and stuff. Um, I, I do read the Portland Substandard. <laughs> and, you know, I watch the news every night, but he's really good at deciphering facts from fiction. So you read the local paper, which, if anyone hears this, is not from the area. It's the Portland Standard, but you call it the substandard. I like it. That's, uh, yeah, the, the, local, the local paper. <laughs> right. And then, uh, I'm sorry, you see, you, you watch the, the national news, like network news, the half hour? Yeah, CNN. CNN. Do you know... Do you know where Jim, does he have his, like, go-to places for the news? He has a lot of different websites he, he visits, um, local, national. Do you know any of them, just so I have some actual examples? Uh, no, I don't really. All right, if you come up with them, if you remember them. Yeah, probably, um... Oh God! What are what are the the one that everybody just goes to? Probably. Well, people talk. They talk about going to Fox News. Like they talk about the conservatives go to Fox News. The liberals go to like MSNBC. Uh, I think. Um, and then you have the. He doesn't. Hmm. I don't think I don't think he watches MSNBC. But Fox is a place where he would get his news. Is that what you're saying? I I would say maybe, you know, the the Fox, CNN, um, Christ, Entertainment Tonight, it's sometimes that even fits the mold, you know? Yeah. All right. Um, do you know, are you ever hearing something that someone believes and in your mind you're you're thinking to yourself, how the heck can a person believe that? In my mind, absolutely. Yep. Can I, um, will you reveal, reveal one of them? Yeah. Oh, oh God. Um, God, I can't, I can't think of one right off the, right off the top of my head, but. Some of the stuff that comes out of people's mouths, you're thinking, where do you get your information? Yes. Um, well, my oldest, who is Catholic, we are not. Mm -hmm. She's Catholic. She works with a Catholic. 
came home the other night and had stated that if she was a true Catholic, she would not read Harry Potter because it's all evil. Mm-hmm. Which is, and and she even told the co-worker, no, it's not evil. It's good against evil, and good always ends up. Stronger. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's in the way of you perceive, and she even proved that her, she even proved her point to that coworker. It was the coworker who was saying that Harry Potter was evil. Correct. And, uh... And if she was a devout Catholic, she would not have read it, because uh, it was totally evil. And she's like, no. You know, and she explained the difference between good and evil. And the movie always ends in good. Mm-hmm. Good over conquers evil. Uh, and I, I always, when people respond so strongly to just a, a creative book, I'm, I, I often think, well, that's just a book for fun. You know, it's like, uh, do, do you accept that? Does that seem like a? Would you agree with that? That's like, I don't think that book is intended to say anything broadly about spirituality. It's just a, a fun book. Exactly. It's just for reading pleasure. That's where most reading is about, is just reading a pleasure. Yep. All right. This is excellent. I am now going to embark on the next stage. It is sort of a... I used to joke it was a... I joke it's a lightning round where I'm going to talk... Um, it isn't really, though, because if you have something to say, I want to hear every little detail. But so I'm going to go through some big issues of the day, right, that people talk about. If you don't have any opinion, then we could uh, leave it. But if you have an opinion, okay. say it. Um, okay. And then uh, then we can talk more about it. All right. Um, gay marriage, gay rights, homosexuality. Do what you got to do. <laughs> it, don't ma- it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to you. Uh, would you vote no. for someone who wanted to outlaw gay marriage? Would I vote for them? No. Um, I mean, I mean, like, but let's say, okay, that's good. I'll move on. Um, do you think the world is getting more moral or less moral? Oh, less moral. And and why is that? What what are the things? Well, because there's there's so many people out there that are superficial, and uh, until they walk in their shoes, they can't understand what they're going through. Whatever the situation is, whether you're you're gay or bisexual or whatever, transgender. You think that people should be understanding of people who are different. Am I fairly summarizing what you're... That's what the world is all about. That's what makes the world go around, different (laughs) people. Yep. Now, um, uh, did you vote for Trump? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. What was your uh, rationale for that? Uh, He was the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a jerk. Yeah, he's got a big mouth. But he's a hell of a businessman. And I figured if anybody was going to get us out of debt, it would have been him. And he's no different than 98% of the male professional population that <laughs> think their money can buy them anything they want. And it usually does. So, oh, were you... We're a year into his administration. 
were you saying that he I was connecting your comment about like he's a male with money to all this stuff we're hearing in the news about like harassment stuff, like people yeah. who are arrogant and who are have lots of power. Is that were you making that connection? Did I read that wrong? Yes. Yes. Does that mean are you disappointed one year in? Is that what you're saying too? That that he's well, fitting in. No, because everybody knew this before he was elected. Mm-hmm. And he was still elected anyways. Right. And these people that are trying to impeach him and, you know, trying to make him look worse, if that's at all possible, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, to, to get him out of office instead of saying, okay, he won. Let's bite the bullet. Let's back him up and do the best that we can as a country. Right. How do you feel about uh, the the health care initiative that Trump and the Republicans were were going for? Well, I think they should abolish Obamacare. And what, why do you think we should abolish Obamacare? Because that was mainly for the low-income people to begin with. And the working class people are paying a lot more just to cover for them than we already were. Um, you can, well, you, you take the difference between Narcan, to save a drug addict's life, a repeat overdoser, or a cancer victim. I would much rather have my money go towards cancer treatment to save a life than Narcan that when the patient wakes up, it's like, okay, how long was the dead for? He, he, he. Mm-hmm. How, uh, now, right there you've mentioned several uh, facts, basically, several, um, you know, summaries of how the system works. I'm, I know you're saying you get your news from Jim, but how, how, would, um, how did you assemble that, those, is, it, is that information from Jim or did, did you get it from another source? That information is from a variety of sources, uh, whether it be personal or professional conversations or the news, magazines. Yeah, which, you know, like which Time Magazine. Time? And, yeah. You know, there's a, there is a lot of good magazines out there that do still have good journalism. Definitely. Uh, what would be really good, but um, it would be work, is to find out where you got those um, that those facts, right? If I wanted to find that, if I wanted to source that, what what would I have to do? Do you think? Uh, depends on which facts you're looking for. Um, you were saying that the working class would pay more for health care under Obamacare, and that it would disproportionately be spent on, like, people who aren't deserving, you know, uh, drug addicts right. and stuff. I think, uh, basically, just look at the, the history of the system. Compare the old system to the Obamacare to what Trump wants to change it to. What does Trump want to change it to? 
I didn't. I never fully understood. Basically, it. back to what it was before. I mean, Obama made it where parents had to cover their children until the age of twenty-six, whether they were a parent themselves or whether they had a job that covered really good insurance. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. What What was a What was the motivation? Do you think of uh, the people who were um, who created Obamacare. You know, I honestly don't know. I have tried to figure that out unbiasedly, and uh-huh. I can't figure the, that out yet. The facts, quote unquote, facts I have are very, very different from the facts you have. Let me turn that down a little bit. For example... Yeah, I'm sorry. You have a... Okay, I'm listening. Yeah. Like, right now, uh, there's... Uh, before, let's see. Before the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, there was like 40-plus million people who were uninsured. And um, in some cases, I'm sure they were people that weren't being responsible. But insurance is really expensive, and pre-existing conditions weren't covered. And so it would be very, very easy to get knocked out of the system. In fact, I think a lot of um, bank personal bankruptcies are because people, you hit one bad thing in your life, one illness, and you're, you know, you you can't recover. But um, if you, uh, right now we're paying, when we pay health care, like in the old system, you're paying an insurance company, right? And there's tons of insurance companies and our administrative costs to run it were like, um, we're paying something like fifteen, twenty percent. In Great Britain, you know, and they look at like other Western countries, they're actually paying much less for their health care, and everyone's covered. So, when you have a simpler system, quote unquote, simpler with less levels that has some more controls in there, like you, you don't, you're not paying like fifty dollars for a band aid because there's some right, right people. The, the companies want to make money, and they're taking a bite out of you every single time, and so. The I think a lot of that control. pharmaceuticals, yeah, the, the pharmaceutical companies are way out of bounds. They're just astronomical. Right. Um, it seems like... You know what, the, 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 pet, the EpiPen, right. when, when that one company upped at 400 <laughs> right. now seriously, what, I mean, these are kids' lives at stake, and... I mean, even people on public assistance couldn't afford that. Right. Let me, um, I was doing a terrible job explaining. Let me isolate one fact and see what your reaction to it is. Um, okay. In, in, in a lot of the other Western countries, we're the only one that did it the way we did it, which basically says companies somehow are going to make a profit from selling everyone health care. Um, the way the other, way the other countries that we think of, you know, in Europe do it is they have everybody a little bit. In the end, right. like way, in Denmark, in, in Denmark, they the college is free and healthcare is free, but every single person pays taxes, even the low income. They have to pay into it. Right. They don't have a choice, so they're paying for it in the long run. They're always paying less. Like everyone is paying a lot less than we are. Correct. And they're getting universal coverage. We're paying more. And we're not getting universal coverage. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand the deal. Well, I, I, 
I think because it's it's greed on the pharmacy, you know, the pharmaceutical, the all the upper echelon people, they got their hand in in right. the cookie jar. You know that. And I mean, the greed, greed is just unbelievable. How would? But sorry, it, I think that would work better if if we had something like that. Where but, everybody would be covered and everybody paid. But that's what the Affordable I Care Act was work. is supposed to be. I thought. <laughs> but that's not who it was aimed for. I mean, even with Obamacare, there was you had to get insurance. You had to have insurance or you would have to pay a fine. And that takes away your your freedom. I don't. Who, who doesn't want health insurance? Okay. Well, when you when you're a single person and you have to pay a hundred dollars a month, and you're healthy, I can understand a lot of kids. I can totally not wanting to pay that. I remember when I was going to school, I didn't have money. I could not afford health insurance. Like it was, it was much. Mm-hmm. It was completely unaffordable. Um. When I some of those arguments I hear, uh, I think, well, it seems like that problem would be fixable to look at the the rates that people are paying and have scaled rates. There, there's this thing too where, right, lower income people are getting more help, and then it's something like 400 percent of of the poverty rate. There's the cliff where you no longer get all these subsidies, and there's these people in that pocket who weren't making enough to, um, they weren't getting subsidies. They weren't quite making enough to deal with the the cost. So there's that one group of people that seemed like they needed help, but the overall idea would brought down costs or bring is bringing down costs for everyone, regardless of income. But you don't. I'm I'm saying that's the facts. I think I've read in like there's I've read a couple books on it and I've I've researched it. Those are the facts I think I have, but those are not the same facts that you have. Are 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 they or are they? Or, you know what I mean? Well. Let's just say you have more facts than I do. I have I have opinions. Mm. My my opinions are not based on facts that I have read. They are more of what I have seen on TV, what I have heard on TV, what I've read, you know, just in local papers. Do you as, think as far as going uh, exploring? I have not done that like you have. Do you think? Do you think you're convincible? Like if I if I like attempted, <laughs> which I'm not going to do. Don't worry. <laughs> do th- <laughs> I can change your mind. I'm sure. Right, right. Do you think? Do you think I could like um, change your mind on this issue by bringing a bunch of information and and um, possibly, very possibly. Interesting. Um, I mean, I'm op- I'm open minded, so it's. That would be, yeah, you you could if I agreed with what I was reading and where it came from. Uh huh. Do you when I when I talk like I know what I'm talking about because and I'm saying that oh the the cost would be half you know well that, that's the Great Britain my understanding is Great Britain pays half and they're the best case example. Uh, um, are you um does that does that does that make you feel bad? Or is that like is that threatening? Is that um, is that hard to hear? 
No. Right. No, because it is what it is. Right, right. You know, one one voice isn't going to make a change. And the voices that do make change have a lot of money behind them. Mm-hmm. But they also usually have an agenda behind their money, which is in their pocket, what, whatever the, the case is. People yeah. aren't going to donate their, you know, millions of dollars just because, you know, they're happy, good people. You're not, you, you don't trust people that have a lot of money to do the right thing. No, that's, that's not true. Um, because I, I do know wealthy people that do, do, know, do donate lots of money for, you know, good causes, and they do good things. Um, how can I explain this where it doesn't sound... Biased. <laughs> right, right, right. Hopefully, if, peop- if if someone else was hearing this, they would know a little bit about you, and so hopefully would give the proper interpretation to what you're going to say. That's that's mm-hmm. one of my goals here. Because you're lovable, oh, I'm sure. right? You're lovable. There's no two. There's no doubt yeah. about it. No one could listen to this and think that you're not a lovable person. <laughs> oh, good. good. That's just my that's, personal opinion. That's a good. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so, um, uh, what were we going to, uh, yeah, like, so now you can say something terrible. <laughs> say something terrible about someone. What were you going to say? Oh, say something terrible about someone. Oh, my God. No, you said you, you were going to say something, but you couldn't figure out how to say it in a way that seemed, uh, that, 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 that seemed, uh, not mean or something. Say that one more time. I thought you were going to say something, but you were hesitating because you couldn't figure out quite the right way of saying it. It might come off wrong. No. All right. Um, no. All right. How do you I'm feel? I'm not a mean person for the most part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not mean to somebody unless I have reason to be. Yeah. Um. Which is rare. The one other thing. I, one other thing about healthcare. Then I'll move on. Right now, if you go to the emergency room, and they're, they're expensive, uh, I think the law says you don't turn people away. You wouldn't like turn people bleeding, you know, away from the emergency room. And if they need help, that drug addict, they're going to need help. And often, they won't get care because they're uninsured because they don't have access to the health system. They won't they won't have care until they go to something like a, the most expensive kind of treatment, the emergency room, which is covered. And those costs actually come to us anyway. That's why we pay so much more than everybody else, or one of the reasons, I think, is because, think. yeah, so if it seems like when you, people don't have health care, right, when you haven't spread out the risk amongst a very wide population, people get sicker before they go for help. You're going to pay for it anyway. That just turns into higher premiums for people. So, like, financially, it doesn't make sense to me. And then morally, I have a, I feel uncomfortable with that, that people can't, go to the doctor like I don't like that from a moral perspective so I just wanted to ask you from a moral perspective how do you feel if we went back to the old system and people can't go to the doctor because they don't have money like that's a that's a tough how do you process that well I I do know people that have been in that been in that situation where I mean it has taken them 10 years to pay for the birth of their child but that's what they've done Mm-hmm. And it's 
it's more out of pride that they chose not to go for any type of assistance, you know, whether it be food stamps or, you know, full public assistance, heat, whatever. Um, uh, that's been, that is not a, a win-win situation in any shape or form. And I don't know what the answer to that is. All right. I'll move on. Um, climate change. Do you believe that the Earth is warming and it's caused by um, us terrible humans polluting? Absolutely. Do you think that we should uh, pollute less so we don't, uh, so we can bring the, the temperature down? But pollute less, recycle a lot more. Mm. All right. Uh, guns. Uh, do you think that uh, there's the people with Second Amendment? They they refer to the Second Amendment of the Constitution, say there should be no limits on guns. That's their interpretation. Um, on the other extreme, people say, like, we should go, we should do gun buyouts and just not have guns around. Do you fit yourself in I that? I disagree with that. Where, where do you fit my in opinion, that? My opinion on that is guns do not kill people. People kill people. Point blank. I mean, when they start making re people responsible for their own actions and sticking to that responsibility... Um, there, there won't be any issue. But you take the guns away, it, well, you've already seen it. You take the guns away, people are going to be using the vehicles. You've seen that. It's already, it's already happened. They're going to start making their own bombs or, you know, their own cocktails. And, Do you think people should shit. be able to um, uh, walk around with uh, handguns like in, in like a marathon, New York? If they have a permit. So you, and if if they say I am a gun owner and I'm a hunter, I mean I I come from a, a family of hunters. Mm -hmm. I haven't hunted in, in many years, but um, I still have my guns, and they would have a really hard time getting them away from me. Uh -huh. I I think uh, the the middle a middle territory that seems like say that. A, in surveys, a lot of people are in the middle ground where they think hunting makes perfect sense and people should be able to own guns. But there should be some kind of limit um, to make to make some of the terrible things that happen. I mean, guns can kill people, right? So some kind of rules make sense. That's what I'm going to call the middle ground. Are you are you in that? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I mean, you shouldn't be able to. Go and you know go to a gun show and and buy a Uzi and semi-automatic that uh -huh. you know whips off a uh, hundred rounds per second. That that should not be. Uh, what's the word that I want? I'm getting brain freeze here. Legal, yeah. Um, yeah, it it shouldn't be legal in any state. Mm. You know who? I mean, if you're if you're a real hunter of any sort. It better be dead the first shot, not only the second. No more than <laughs> no more than two. It, uh -huh. You know that's just the way I was raised. You, <laughs> you just it's it's the respect of the firearm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, just to have a gun collection. I don't know. Um, 
I do I do know people that that have done collections and those those guns are are that's what they are a collection of old guns. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't think would be. Oh, I don't think that would be a cause for harm. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as somebody collecting guns like, you know, these sawed-off shotguns and all this other military, in my eyes, military guns mm-hmm. should not be readily available to the public. That's great. Then that's what I'm looking for, like, your... Um a general take, like I we don't have to like craft a pick law or anything, just kind of where you fall on the spectrum. And then, um, there, you know, there's there's all this hubbub around the Confederate monuments. Do you have an opinion on whether they should be taken down or whether um, or something else should happen to them or nothing? The Confederate flags. I, I was going with the Confederate, the Confederate monuments. I no, I I strongly disagree tearing down any monuments. Only because that is part of history. Mm-hmm. They they start doing that, our our history is going to go along the wayside. Books are going to start getting burned, mm-hmm. you know. And society has proven that we obviously have not learned from past mistakes, and history tends to repeat itself. So, the mentality, in my opinion, the mentality of today's American society is God, I can't even think of the words I want to use. Um, they they just seem to refuse to look back at history and learn from it and to move on and try better tactics to make peace what, what? to solve issues. Does that make sense? Um, I'm I'm really appreciating it. What is the history that we learn from looking at, like a, uh, a you know General Lee on a on a horse holding a sword? Like that. What is what part? Like what what history are you getting from that monument? The okay. Uh, take it from the the eyes of a child. They look at that monument and they're like, "Wow, is this this?" guy somebody special who is it and therefore that starts the conversation with an adult or old enough it might just take them on the internet or to their local library and look up the history of that person you know it's it's got to start somewhere and with kids it's almost always visual mm-hmm. i mean visuality he sparks their interest much faster than oh here's a bug read it. Yeah. Um there's there's sometimes um no plaque on these. And I actually I gotta I'd have to look this up to get the details, but what you see is a guy bigger than life, um, on a horse, right? And some of those monuments were erected like they were contemporary to like a rebirth of the Ku Klux Klan, right? And so that a black kid might look at it and think, 
this statue is telling me that it's celebrating slavery and telling me that I telling me that I'm not a I'm worth three fifths of a person. Do do you, do you see that interpretation of it? On the Ulysses on a horse. Oh yeah, like like you take a Confederate general. In fact, um, like uh, Nathaniel Bedforst. I, th- I was reading somewhere there is tons of monuments to him, and he was one of the first Ku Klux Klan leaders. And there's a website, you know, that uh, I could I could send it to you, or I'll put up a link. It's got when all these monuments were made, and they're well after the war. And sometimes they're directly associated with kind of a local effort to deal with the fact that blacks were beginning to vote or ex- ex- express their kind of um, you know full their full rights in the community. And what what happened was that it see uh, one one interpretation is that some at least some of these monuments were built to kind of put people back in their place. It was celebrating oppression and telling people, no, no. Okay. Okay. Um, then that I would disagree with. Okay. Um, if, if they just had, like, um, a plaque with a short blurb mm-hmm. of, but I'm I, again. I'm I'm thinking of Ulysses S. Grant. Right, he was a he was right, right. Sorry, or he was on the north. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. The, um, yeah, I I think I would definitely like if I lived in that town, I would probably feel a whole lot different than I do not living in a town or that history, knowing that history. The the um, are you saying that maybe adding a plaque would be useful? Is that absolutely? And yeah, the... absolutely. Because some people would interpret it that okay, they all have to go down because they're all connected to KKK. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. And and just to confirm, like, well, if a little black kid, let's say, is looking at that statue. And what they're seeing is a powerful, let's say, power structure, white man. And that person, what they did is they fought. You might not think they fought for slavery, but at least to extend the institution of slavery, right? And so it's just a statue that looks glorious, you know, man, like that that doesn't feel very good. Like, I, I can relate to that. Have you thought about it from that perspective? Anything new at all? Or, uh... You are. You are. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's... I, I, again, I think location, location is, is a big, is a big part of him, uh, is a big part of that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like if they're if they're if you were there plugged in and knew kind of the issues around a particular monument, is that what you're saying? That would help you have an informed viewpoint on that. Is that? Yes, yes. Um, I I think if they're gonna take the effort of building monuments, then I think every monument needs an explanation. And I. I disagree with the fact of having a monument 
to put quote unquote black people in their place because their place is on this earth just like the rest of us. It, you know, um, I saw a special on TV not so very long ago where oh they were they were going through DNAs and stuff like that, and this one lady says that she can prove that all of us actually came from Africa, which means all of us came from the the black origin mm-hmm. but that's she couldn't convince me of it, but then again. I'm I'm not the DNA specialist or whatever <laughs> whatever her title was. Uh-huh. Um, some people would disagree with that, you know. Like if if we were all black, then how come we aren't all black now? You know, to to me, color means absolutely nothing. Sexual gender, as long as you don't push it off on me, it means nothing. <laughs> you know, I. My daughter and I dressed a transgender in my kitchen here not so very long ago. Uh, it, that, it, it just, again, location, location, um, what your experiences are, what, what you've learned, what you've seen, what you've heard, what things have happened to you by certain types of people. Um, are you accepting? Are you open-minded? Right. Lonnie. There's a lot of people that are. I have, um, you have helped me understand something, and I am so grateful for that. Um, I have been really puzzled at why, uh, why people defend some of the Confederate monuments, because when I researched it, it, it really did seem like it was a way for local power structures to tell black people they couldn't vote or they they weren't a full person. It was a way of keeping them down. And it angered me because like, I don't like that. But It should be. Right. Uh, but you, um, the reason why I really enjoy hearing your perspective is because I can tell from our conversation that you're not someone who thinks black people are bad because their skin color or something. Is that I'm, I'm jumping. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, there's, you know how they, you know, they, you hear the word nigger. Well, you know what? Not all niggers are black. Mm. And I, I learned that as as I was growing up, as you know, a young teen through my my early twenties. Is there's a lot of white niggers out there. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, and and now that word isn't even socially acceptable. Uh-huh. But. Did your daughter update you on that in the background? <laughs> yes, she did. And um, but it's again, there's there's words, the vocabulary that my parents were grew up that grew up with that was not acceptable or not used when I was growing up. Uh-huh, sure. And now the generation is going down where everything is is much more politically correct. Now, politically correct is another hot button. Um, how do you feel about that term? Do you have a reaction to that term? I, I think that term should just be flushed down the toilet. Mm-hmm. And why? Why is that? What's What's your reaction to that? Well, whose whose opinion is it saying what's correct and what is incorrect? Mm-hmm. You know, it's again, it's one of those. Uh, who who do you believe? Who do you trust? 
who who makes that choice? Who is in that position to make that make the choice of what's quote unquote politically correct? Um. Well, here's. What did she say? She said the language that I'm using is marginalizing away people is politically correct. <laughs> Your daughter is schooling you. She is schooling you. I love it. Yes, she is. You should, I tell you, you should interview her because she can really go crazy on it. I like it. I like it. I have a question for you. She'd be good at it. Yeah. Lonnie, you're really good yeah. at this. Um, I was going to say, one of the things, this is related, one of the things that Donald Trump says, I've heard him say this, he goes, you're going to start being able to say Merry Christmas again, right? No one's going to make me be politically correct. I'm going to say Merry Christmas. Do you have a reaction to that? When you hear that, it, what do you when, Say that all over again? Um, Donald Trump says, um, I'm not politically correct. He says, I'm going to say Merry Christmas. Like, and he says that in general, you'll be able to say Merry Christmas again. He's, he's suggesting that we couldn't say it because it's against the rules of political correctness. I was curious how you felt about, like, what your reaction to, when Donald Trump says that, what your reaction to him is. Are you cheering him on, or are you wondering about it? Actually, I just ignore him when he says shit like that that has <laughs> no impact on the world's finances and stability. Right. You know, that, that that's just peanuts compared to the problems of the world. Mm-hmm. And that I wouldn't even waste my time thinking about because to me, if, if I know somebody doesn't celebrate Christmas, they celebrate Happy Hanukkah. So you just say Happy Hanukkah to them. Merry Christmas, somebody else. I mean, seriously. <laughs> right. There's more important things out there to worry about. I, um, One of the reasons why I bring that up is because I've had that feeling exactly. I'm like, it's just impolite to say Merry Christmas to someone who isn't Christian. <laughs> you would say Happy Hanukkah because we're polite people. You wouldn't, like, why would you want to tell someone... Uh, um, I mean, I have a lot of Jehovah Witnesses on my route. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I even grew up with one, and she she never took the day off at all with these holidays. She just couldn't partake. She could partake in the party, but not in the gift exchange and the cards and you know all that stuff. But it's, I mean, they still give me Christmas cards, and I still give them Christmas cards and. You know, it's and and maybe that's also the the small town mentality is we accept people for for who they are, not what denomination they are, what color they are. Mm-hmm. You know, where in bigger cities or bigger areas, they have different views. Thank you. Do you like? Um, you you don't like Hillary Clinton. You said earlier, I think. No, I don't. Um, why why is that? Oh, um, <laughs> where to start? You're thinking to yourself. <laughs> you read my mind. 
I'm going to be vague and just say that she's dishonest. Well, my job, I, I like to get the details on why. I always want to know why someone's saying it and then wh- where they got their information from. If you can't, you can't. If you just have hints, if you have like a half remember um, something, I can chase it down. Um, nah, don't bother chasing it down. Just just take my word for it. I, I just don't like her. Um, as, as, a, as a senator, as a pre-president, post-non-president. Uh-huh. But what is it about her you don't like? You, say, you said honesty. There is. Um, she beats around the bush, well, way back when she was the president's wife and then therefore the president-elect. Um, instead of coming right out and answering questions, she was really good at beating around the bush, never answering the question. Um, underhandedness. And even when she was proven to be lying. She still did not, number one, admit, number two, apologize. Um, can you... And then the fact that she still stayed with her husband after that whole scene. I'm always puzzled by this because there's all this criticism of Hillary on that account where um, it seems like it's her husband that did stuff, uh, but you you you're, you didn't like that about her. That you think she should have divorced that bill, gotten away from him. Um, no, I don't think she should have stood by his side. Mm. But I didn't like her before all that came out. Right. Oh yeah. So what? what I gotta have an example. If you, can, I would love it. Uh, uh, what, how is she dishonest? Like, what? What did she lie about? Oh. Policies, emails, um, most, mostly the, the emails that were proven that she did indeed write and, and the fact that my tax dollars mm. is supporting her heavy-duty lifestyle along with all her secret service. But that's everything under the White House realm. Right, like... um. Like, Trump has been accused of, like, the harassment by women. Like, he's actually been accused of it. Hillary just had a husband who did it. It's, so it seems like you're more critical of Hillary than of Trump on that front. Does it... Do you, why, am I, why am I not right in thinking that? <laughs> well, because Hillary stuck by her husband. They're... Trump's wife, she ain't saying anything. Yeah. Do you like Melania, by the way? Um, I don't know her well enough to really pass judgment, but I would say she's a hell of a good mother, and being a mother comes first. And I think she's trying to be a good first lady, mm-hmm. from, from what I have paid attention to. Do you think that Trump really did some of that assessment off that he's been accused of? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Do you think that there's any weird connections with Russia, with Trump? Uh, 
didn't he own something, a, a business or something like that in Russia? There's been some interesting stuff. I don't know of an actual business. They had the, um, the that Miss uh, Universe contest there, and then some of his real estate that some heavy-duty Russian bought at a huge loss, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, th- there's something going on there. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, Rasputin and him were best buds until he became president, and now all of a sudden uh, him and, and they're, they're not getting along, and then now now all of a sudden they're getting along, and it's like something. They're, they're trying to appease the public and each other and trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to do it underplay. So Trump, you're saying Trump is doing some of that underhanded stuff. Is that because it's just politics or oh. something? Is that what you're saying? Oh, no. I, I, he's a shrewd businessman, so I'm, I'm sure he didn't get wealthy by being a nice man. So I'm, I'm sure that there's, there's some underhanding stuff going on. Do you think Trump is a moral person? <laughs> Trick question. <laughs> um, no, no. I mean, if if I met him out in a bar, he probably would not walk out. <laughs> but you were able to vote for him only because he was the lesser of two evils. You really don't like Hillary. You really and no. All right, and we it would take I, um. All right, so I wanted to make sure I don't take up your entire evening. Um, I just have one last round of junk I wanted to ask you. Um, do you have three um, movies, three books, like what are you reading right now, three anythings that have influenced you that, that come to mind? Books would be great. Movies would be great. But it could be three anything if, if you don't have. That influenced me how? I think really either your ideas or you as a person. It's a really wide-open question. Maybe even just three three things that you really loved, three books you really loved. I Probably the thing that pops in my head the most is A Child Called It. Hmm. And there's also three other um, books that David Pelton wrote about his life. Mm-hmm. It's about how his mother abused him terribly and uh, how he survived it and so on and so forth and became strong. Those yeah. those are, yeah, but I was an adult when I read them. I'm trying to think. Pelzer. Pelzer, right? Yeah. You want me to look it up. I got this. <laughs> yeah. I love, yeah, I love yeah, having yeah, your daughters in the background. I'm telling you, you, you got to interview her because she'll, her opinions and mine are like way off. I actually would, um, wow. if she's open to it, mention to her, I would the totally do it. Boy, a man named Dave, and a child called it. All right, child called it was the first one. All right, and I can, uh, what, what I'll do when I assemble this, I'll, I'll get the details and I can connect you if I. Um, but I want to tell you, I want to thank you, um, and uh, I could go on and on, but I want to, I think you need to have a breather. <laughs> well, actually, I have um, two Thanksgiving dinners I need to 
deliver. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, so that's uh, uh, donating holiday meals. You're donating the Her. holiday meals. Yeah. You're good. Well, I'm not donating this time. Um, that's that's one thing that that Carly and I have have done ever since they were little. Me, Michaela, and Carly have we've always got a kid off the angel tree. You know, kind of, you know how I am. I always just do stuff for for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but at Thanksgiving and Christmas, we. In the past few years, we've had people here that didn't have any place else to go. We had them here to come and eat and have a good time mm-hmm. and just make meals um, to working, struggling people mm-hmm. that are non assistance. Yeah. Uh, but did you, how do you know about those people? Do you get it, the angel tree, is that something at church? Sure. The angel tree you get from the bank, the MBT Bank in Marathon. Huh. Um, yeah. And almost all towns have an angel tree. And I'm trying to think of, I mean, there's always organizations, um, a church, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, seniors, that, like, at, at work, I collect instead of throwing out to the recycling is I collect all the calendars, notepads, Christmas cards, and even the calculators. And we donate them to seniors um, that have gone into like rehab and they have nothing readily available to them. we donate a lot of stuff to the school's program. You know, so in, instead of throwing that out to recycling, we try our best to to send it to good homes. Yeah. Well, that's really neat. I'm, um, yeah. Well, and again, it's a way of recycling. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm a big recycler. I, I'm a firm believer on recycling and no waste. Mm-hmm. And we are such a wasteful society. Yeah. But I will let you go on there, and you can call me back another day with your twenty-seven more questions. Thank you so much. It's super helpful. Okay. Sounds good. This was fun. Oh, good. That makes me happy. That's I meant to ask that. That's what I wanted. Yeah. All right. It was fun. Good. All right. Take care. You too. This has been episode one of Like You. My name is John Zelson. You have just met Lonnie. Subscribe to Like You to meet more new people. Thank you for listening and goodbye.